0: Good evening everyone. Welcome to In Touch, our masterclass in school products powered by Brain Wonders in partnership with Enfold India. This fourth edition of Masterclass series will take you on a short journey of introducing you to 30 innovative school products selected from across India. In this Masterclass, innovative products, informative content, and progressive ideas are being shared with you. We remain hopeful that this and forthcoming sessions inspire you to take your school community to a new direction of development. My name is Namrita, and I will be your moderator for today. I represent India's largest counselling organisation, Brainwonders. With 108 global centres and 12,000 connected schools, Brainwonders has been revolutionising the face of academic guidance, career development and personal growth via its US-patented DMIT and online psychometric tests. Founded by Mr. Manish Nairu, over the past decade, Brainwonders has been nationally awarded on seven different platforms, including recognition for being the most trusted and digitally innovative career counseling company excellence and passion is what Wonder strives for and with that let's begin the today's session before i welcome today's speaker i request all our audience to immerse themselves in the session and hold their questions which will be addressed right after the session i present to you today's speaker dr sangeeta saksena who's the co-founder of n india Dr. Sangeeta Saxena is a gynecologist, author, counselor, and activist working in the field of life skills, sexuality, and personal safety for over 25 years now. Along with Dr. Saldana, she co-founded Empore Proactive Health Trust in 2001 to work with children, adolescents, and adults in this area. Along with Dr. Saldana, Dr. Saxena developed a curriculum on understanding sexuality and personal safety that is age-appropriate. Culturally relevant, values and rights-based approach is what Enfold India encompasses. It is respectful and empowering for self. She has led the development of the Suvidha Kit by Enfold Trust to explore these topics with children with intellectual disability, autism and sensory impairment as well. Dr. Saxena has co-authored On Track, a series on life skills and personal safety for school students from grade 3 to 9 and it is published by Macmillan India. She is the author of Life Skills for Self-Development, written for Jyoti Nivas College, an autonomous Bangalore based college, and the author of Life Skills, Workbook for Adults and Facilitating Life Skills with Adolescents, brought out by Enfold. Dr. Saxena initiated and established a PG Diploma and a Certificate Program in B.Ed. course at Christ University on Life Skills based on personal safety and sexuality education. She has presented papers, on personal safety and sexuality education for children with intellectual disabilities and other subjects at national as well as international conferences. Dr. Saxena has advocated and participated for in developing policies with regards to the safety of women and children in the Karnataka State Child Protection Policy, besides working with the government of Karnataka, Delhi, Telangana, and Madhya Pradesh on these issues. Since 2018, Dr. Saxena has been acquiring training in restorative justice and restorative practices in, in, the, in India as well as in U.S. Through a trained team at Enfold, she has been promoting training in this field in schools, childcare institutions, and among government and NGO staff. Today's session topic is Inclusive Personal Safety and Comprehensive Sexuality Education in Schools. Over to you, Dr. Saxena.
1: Thank you so much, Namrta, and for that very detailed introduction. So uh, yeah, that has already set the tone and I'll probably be taking less time on some of the slides. Uh, So thank you for joining in here. Um, I will be talking about inclusive personal safety and sexuality education in schools. And uh, what set us off uh, on this, uh, the two gynecologists, Dr. Shoiba and myself, uh, we were practicing here in St John's Medical College in Bangalore, and we used to get young people, sometimes even high school students, um, asking for various kinds of support because they had uh, they were in um, facing some issues and uh, pregnancy being one of them, uh, and uh, that set us thinking that you know something. Uh, uh, information about sexuality, which is something so normal and natural for a person, lack of that information is landing uh, so many children in, uh, in these um, issues. So he said, okay, let us start with um, sexuality education. It was always sexuality education, not sex education. Uh, and uh, with uh, high school students, uh, like 8th, ninth, 10th uh, grade students, Uh, Because once they enter college, they feel that they're almost adults, you see. So we started with high school students, and this is 2001-2002. And uh, very soon, uh, we realized that just sexuality education is not enough. uh, Because a lot of it is linked with how the child feels uh, about themselves, whether there is self-respect, whether there is self-confidence, whether they have a positive body image or not. Uh, so very soon, uh, we said, okay, uh, we will make it life skills based. But ninth grade was or eighth grade was too late. Because in India, uh, as in many other cultures, uh, we we kind of um, pass comments or say things to our children, which necessarily doesn't build the self esteem or a positive body image. In fact, many a time the child is uh, battling with very poor body image because of comments they heard from uh, right from almost the time uh, that they were born, uh, comments on the on the color of the skin or their gender, uh, the the various bodily aspects. So we said, okay, let's start with sixth grade uh, onwards. But we realized that's also too late. Uh, so we were from 2002 onwards. We started talking with children from grade one onwards. And when we began that, and this may come as a surprise, uh, that even as gynecologists, we had not received much input on child sexual abuse during our MBBS training and MD training. So when we began work with first-grader students, that is the time we realized the extent of child sexual abuse uh, in India. And this is much before the 2007 Government of India study that came out on child abuse. Uh, Much uh, more of that later, which had pegged it at 53% of of the children in that study had reported sexual abuse. So when we realized that, we said, okay, we have to talk about personal safety, uh, but the curriculum, what do we follow? So we consulted with um, our very good friend and uh, she's our trustee, Meena Shavraman, uh, with MSC in child development. We consulted with Dr. Sheikha here, um, a very famous child psychiatrist in Nimhansia. And we indigenously developed a curriculum. Uh, it was culturally appropriate. Uh, we used words that, that if the child said and describing you know, what the child learned in school, a first grader, and uh, they said something at home, it wouldn't raise eyebrows. Uh, it wouldn't cause uh, the parents to come you know, up in arms to the school and say, what are you teaching our children? So we used words that would be acceptable, culturally acceptable, but at the same time, clear words, not ambiguous words uh, to refer to the uh, private parts and the genitals of the child, uh, because that was an issue. We, we realized that is an issue in reporting of sexual abuse. So it became a life skills based uh, personal safety and a comprehensive sexuality education. And after working for almost 15 years from 2016, we began working uh, uh, to adapt our curriculum so that it could be accessible to children with disabilities, especially children with intellectual disabilities. So I'll talk a little more about that later. Um, very soon we were offering from 2010, we were offering psychosocial and medical legal support to children who uh, and families who reported sexual abuse. So we take them through that, support them, uh, and uh, restorative practices, as Namrata explained, we have been uh, doing that. We have taken it. Uh, we are probably the first um, uh, first group to introduce it to a school in India. Uh, here in Bangalore, we have done that. And uh, it is a fantastic way to build life skills, relationships, responsibility, accountability, um, You know all the social skills and life skills in children as well as uh, among the... Build relationships among the staff. Uh, so um, yeah, this is the slide I was on explaining that we are also doing restorative practices uh, and um, that training in schools. Besides, of course, uh, what Namrata said, we were uh, we were instrumental in including sexual safety in the Karnataka State Child Protection Policy, which was notified in 2016, and uh, that there it is included that all children. Uh, from 1st to 12th grade should have personal safety education, all staff, teaching, non-teaching, support staff, everybody and the parents uh, should receive information on uh, child abuse, child safety. And we are currently involved in developing the uh, Madhya Pradesh uh, policy as well, child protection policy. So our reach has been good over the last uh, almost uh, 20 years. We have reached over uh, 2 lakh children in over 670 schools and uh, um, uh, 650, sorry, I just went um, back. Yeah, and uh, um, around 670 schools have been uh, covered with And we also train uh, adult uh, stakeholders like the like the police, the doctors, judicial personnel, uh, counselors, school counselors, social workers. Uh, So that has been uh, our work. Coming uh, specifically to to this and uh, why should we have this education? As I've already, uh, already said, children have a right to protection. They have a right to be safe. Uh, so they need clear information uh, which will help them in recognizing uh, sexual abuse, uh, all kinds of abuse, but especially sexual abuse because there's silence around it and, uh, and reporting of it. So we encourage children to go and tell their safe adults and more of that later. Uh, but this uh, opens uh, up uh, and many a time children come and tell our facilitators themselves at uh, just at the end of the session they may hold back and they may uh, talk to them about this and say, yes, you know, this is what I'm facing. Uh, to, with the older children from fifth grade, we start uh, puberty and sexuality education because that is also their right to navigate puberty and sexuality with dignity, uh, with respect for the self. And they need to know how to behave uh, and what is appropriate, what are the rights of uh, others, what is their rights, what are the boundaries, So and what are the risks in this, right? So. Uh, we talk about that and we also inform them about the existing laws in the country. Uh, the Protection of Children from Sexual Offenses Act uh, 2012 says that a child below 18 cannot give consent for sexual activity. Now that is uh, against uh, adolescent uh, emerging sexuality. Uh, but uh, the, the children need to know that because that's the way the law is going to treat them. Uh, so now when do we start this? as early as possible Uh, so for children younger than uh, first grade uh, we like to train their uh, teachers and their parents because it is not a uh, one-time one-off session and anyway our personal safety sessions, sexuality sessions is a minimum of six uh, session curriculum, six times we meet the child and then many schools take it year by year. So as the child grows the the content expands and we uh, include it but for smaller children uh, we train the teachers and the parents and as early as possible, you know, like one and a half, two years of age, you begin naming the parts of the body and all of that. Uh, and of course, as and when the situation arises. Sexual abuse, as we all can sense, uh, it, it is fairly high. Uh, in almost all cultures, uh, in India specifically, we have this study by the government of India which showed 53% of children face sexual abuse and slightly more boys than girls reported this. Not only uh, the all forms of abuse, but even severe sexual abuse, slightly more boys than girls. And for persons uh, with disability, children with disability, it is uh, 4 to 10 times higher. Uh, and uh, the, the greater the disability, the, the more the isolation of the child, the more the craving for affection, the more they become uh, targets of sexual abuse, they also have communication difficulties. Now, these communication difficulties are the nature of the disability for, for these children, but for children without disability, the social stigma, the silence, the fact that they were not given proper names for uh, their body parts, you know, some children have been uh, told that this is your flag And so they have gone and reported uh, sexual abuse, uh, saying, uh, Uncle is touching my flower. And the parent has forgotten. Uh, And uh, the parent said, It's all right, because the parent thought it's a flower in the garden. But the child was actually reporting sexual abuse. And the vocabulary was was ambiguous, not clear. And compounding that is the fact that 90% of the time, the offender is a known, trusted, and regularly encountered person whom the child knows, trusts. and possibly loves as a member of their family or of their um, community or, the, or in the school uh, or outside. Uh, you know, uh, uh, so that really compounds the issue. They really find it difficult to report sexual abuse. And the teachers um, by themselves find it very difficult to teach and talk about this. Uh, because, and this is the study we did when we were making the Savidra kit, and you can see that the teachers and caregivers of children with disabilities uh, knew about the sexual uh, abuse risk, but they were not able to talk talk about safe and unsafe touch. They found it very difficult to talk about sexuality. Uh, you know, all the figures are there, and they lack the tools to do it. Uh, so it's not any different. I don't think it's any different for teachers of children without disability because the B.Ed. course doesn't cover this aspect. They're not taught how to teach personal safety to children. They're not taught that. And in 2018, I'm very happy uh, to to say that in Christ University, in their B.Ed. course, we have integrated personal safety and sexuality education into their B.Ed. course, but elsewhere, I don't think it exists. Uh, So what do we teach? So our curriculum says the world is inherently a safe space it's a safe place. You cannot live your life feeling scared all the time, feeling stressed. Who's going to do what to me? And uh, it's it's also not true because most adults care for children. Now, when we say 53%, we feel, oh my God, all the adults probably uh, are uh, abusers. At least 50% are abusers. No, it's not like that. Uh, most of the adults that the child encounters, really, if you think about it, are safe adults. They care for children. What happens is the abusers abuse many children. And when we talk to children, we realize, oh my God, so many children have been abused. Oh, so the world is not a safe place. It's it's not like that. And also, uh, we remember that child safety is ultimately an adult responsibility. We cannot tell the child, you know, I've told you, don't let anyone touch you there. That's placing the responsibility on the child, that you make sure nobody touches you there. And can we really prevent that kind of a thing? no because if somebody has made up their mind to abuse me as an adult or why abuse even murder me i I really probably won't be able to stop it Uh, so uh, we uh, we say uh, that not to be overprotective or alarming and uh, and consider the agency of the child as they're growing yes as they grow they can do more Uh, they can report um, you know uh, but much more ease and there's more agency as they grow For children with disabilities, we give very clear rules and here we don't work directly with the children, we work with teachers and parents, we train them uh, in uh, focusing on the ability of uh, the child with disability and uh, and helping them, supporting them in learning this. So what are we teaching after all? Three very simple rules and uh, this is about clothing, touching and talking. And it's about how we keep certain parts of our body, our private parts, and we name them. We we call them for the younger children, first grader, second grader, we just use the word "susu place and potty place. Uh, so, so they giggle and laugh and then they're okay with it. Uh, with older children, of course, uh, we use the proper anatomical words. Uh, then we talk about touching, how we don't touch ourselves in these parts in front of others. And uh, we talk about these parts, our questions, anything that is disturbing us, any issue, uh, with our safe adults and we don't name the safe adult for uh, children uh, for children you really don't know who is the abuser uh, because this is a crime done in silence this is a crime uh, where the perpetrator threatens bribes blackmails uh, the child uh, into not telling and so you, you really wouldn't know but the child will know who is breaking their personal safety rules so we say, uh, people who follow these rules for themselves and for others, meaning they don't pull other people's clothes off, they don't touch others in their private parts, they don't talk about the private parts uh, with other people in a, in a, you know, in a um, secretive way and things like that. Uh, that makes a safe adult, a person who follows these personal safety rules for themselves and for others is a safe adult. Uh, and uh, you can always uh, go and tell your trusted, safe adult. So we ask children to identify, to draw their hand and on, on the five uh, fingers and thumb, write the names of five safe adults that they can go to, actually approach physically. Uh, when, if they find that their safety rules are broken, and we teach the safety rules just like traffic rules, uh, with no, no other uh, you know, feelings around it, uh, that these are like traffic rules. And the person who breaks these rules is at fault. They are held accountable and responsible. It is not your blame, it's not your shame. We also talk to them about what to do if somebody breaks the personal safety rules. And here we say, uh, say no if you can, because really we don't teach our children to say no. We don't listen to their no. We don't encourage them to say no. We say, oh, this is a mark of disrespect saying no. But here, uh, we do want the child to say no and we understand that they may not be able to say no. Why even as adults sometimes we are not able to say no? You know, in a bus or something is happening, we just move aside instead of you know saying no, stand properly, what are you doing? Uh, so say no if you can. We encourage them to go away from the abuser as and when they can. Not at the cost of injury or serious, grievous injury to themselves. No, their life is precious. Going away as and when you can. And then tell a safe adult about the abuser. Tell about what happened as and when you feel ready. Um, and I um, told you younger children, you know, they just come and tell you. Uh, the older ones who have uh, you know, been put this shame and stigma has been put on the victim. They find it more difficult, but they also... Uh, finally come and take uh, take help from uh, their safe adults and sometimes uh, our facilitators are also approached for it. So these are the things that we tell them. Moving on to the older children from 5th grade onwards, uh, we are into sexuality education, which is a value-based, rule-based conversation about sexual thoughts, desires, fantasies, and how these are normal and natural, and how these are diverse, and uh, that experience is, is, uh, is inside and you don't have to feel guilty about it. And can we accept it and respect these things? This is part of nature. Then we also talk about expression of these desires. And that is where responsibility comes in. That is where boundaries and rules come in. And the need to respect not only yourself but the other also. And their boundaries and their rules and what they want. So it is built on this. It is age-appropriate. It becomes more complex and uh, more uh, wider in its scope as we move from 5th grade to 10th or 12th grade. Emphasis, again, is on respect and rights. And this is in tune. As I told you, we developed this ourselves. We did not import this from any other uh, country or any other organization. And it matches very beautifully with UNESCO's comprehensive uh, education in sexuality, um, which is about skills, attitude, and values that will empower children to realize their health and well-being and dignity, consider how their choices affect their well-being and that of others, and understand and ensure the protection of their rights throughout their lives. So uh, it's important to build their self-esteem and body image based on their qualities and things that are inherent and their behavior rather than physical attributes of how tall or how broad or how um, big my eyes are. So in sexuality education, of course, all the facts and figures about the body and uh, puberty and gender identity, sexual orientation, um, about pregnancy, childbirth contraception. Now, this uh, the pregnancy, childbirth, contraception usually comes in 10th grade or above. Um, But before that, if any question is asked, we do answer it. Uh, Sexual desires, masturbation, pornography, all of this is discussed uh, with a sense of respect and boundaries and the possible effects of these. We present scientific facts about these things. And uh, in a very... um, Secular manner, I should say. We are not there to change anybody's beliefs, but we do ask people to uh, look at what is happening. What are the beliefs you have and whether they make sense in the context of rights and uh, responsibility. Sexual abuse, personal safety, all of that is, of course, a part of sexuality education. So in our classrooms, uh, when we go in, uh, we are offering this curriculum which has been tested and tried for almost 20 years. We have also uh, presented papers on this. The facilitators are extensively trained, almost 104 hours of training they undergo uh, before they start taking independent uh, sessions. Uh, we demonstrate the sessions, we, then we observe them as they are holding the sessions and when we are satisfied, only then they go into uh, independently. We have worked with uh, international agencies like UNICEF, UNESCO uh, and more recently uh, Ford Foundation developing the curriculum for college students. And um, uh, it is medically accurate uh, thanks to our training and uh, holistic, value-based and um, so this is what we are offering and uh, bringing uh, to the schools, almost uh, 650 schools have had uh, sessions. far, We also have uh, uh, training awareness uh, and capacity building sessions for teachers, uh, the support staff and uh, parents, especially on child safety and also making the uh, the school itself safe. So we support schools in developing their uh, child protection policies and uh, do safety audits. But our main focus has been work directly with children and the teachers. After uh, all of that, we decided to uh, do the Suvidha project. And, uh, and so the project is to bring the same education and same things to children with disabilities. And we tackled the, the most difficult, we thought we'll start with intellectual disabilities. So, uh, so this, uh, this um, kit contains a lot of activities and uh, I'll show you examples of that. And it, the idea is to make the teachers and the caregivers of children with disabilities comfortable with their own sexuality, give them basic understanding of reproductive health, sexual development, so that they can support their children in their care to learn personal safety and uh, basics of reproductive health and sexuality. So uh, I will be showing uh, the actual, these are just pictures. We have separate kit for uh, male and female children, this is with their kit and um, we have various, you know, um, types of five-fold file folder activities and puppets and to, uh, 31 scripts uh, social scripts that, uh, that have material for uh, young children to learn personal safety and for adolescents to learn about sexuality, how to manage erection, ejaculation, menstruation, um, all of that. So, uh, as well as internet safety. So, uh, to conclude this part, what we are offering what we are bringing is uh, is personal safety, sexuality, uh, education to create safer spaces in our schools, in our homes, and for, including for children with disabilities. We work with the school, we impart this age-appropriate, culturally relevant and value-based uh, education and we bring it in-person as well as online. COVID has taught us that. We have been doing this work online now for almost a year. And the, we bring also the Suvidha kit, which can be used as an inclusive education tool uh, in schools. Here is our contact information, info at enfoldindia.org and our uh, phone number. And uh, with this, I will stop and get back to my videos so that I can show you more. These are some of the things in our kit, like puppets with detachable, um, you know, clothes, and uh, so you will know where the child has learned the, uh, you know, how to be clothed, uh, because you can take the puppet to different parts of the house or school and say, is it okay to do this? Be here like this, or you know, it should be covered, and there are various um, uh, file folder activities. For, uh, for teaching them clothing rules as well as uh, touching rules and uh, these are all detachable little puppets that we have here. Uh, we also have a body puzzle um, to help them uh, name the parts and identify and place them. Um, we have a lot of flashcards about Uh, touching because this is meant for children with intellectual disabilities especially autism and they like uh, more material that is visual so we have uh, you know uh, social scripts uh, very graphic social scripts about erection managing erection managing wet dreams uh, and uh, and where to touch where how to touch yourself so uh and uh, similarly, for the girls also we have, these are the draft ones for managing menstruation, managing their romantic feelings. What is okay? How much is okay? And uh, to support the parent and the teachers, we have a uh, very detailed her manual, uh, which contains all the material that they may need. Currently, we are involved with adapting this for uh, children with visual impairment and auditory impairment. And uh, with that, I will open the floor for uh, questions. uh, If there have been in the chat any questions, anything.
0: Thank you so much, ma'am, for taking it ahead. Uh... So, ma'am we have a lot of feedback for your organization the work that you're doing naturally most of it is positive and again voicing how important your work is we have a few questions also lined up and of course participants you can you can present your questions now on you can either use a chat box you can use the activity section and of course you can also raise your hand and then we can have you present the question directly as well So we have the first question by Dr. Yogita Sarwal, who, of course, appreciates the initiative and says, does your organization assist parents in this direction as well?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Actually, when we began, uh, Yogita, we began with saying uh, we will first have an orientation session and an awareness session for the parents. But for that entire school, only three parents turned up. Uh, So, um, yeah. Uh, we do uh, sessions for parents, but this was very long back in 2002 and 2003. I'm talking about uh, now. When we do uh, sessions for parents, uh, uh, many come in and we have uh, sessions for parents of, say, primary school, middle school, and high school because the concerns are different. And with online uh, work, it has become so much easier to do it. Uh, so, yes, uh, for parents, definitely. Uh, we also have uh, a set of, uh, you know, apps that we, uh, we uh, uh, the parents can access. Uh, so I'll just show that. Yeah. Uh, where has it disappeared? Uh, presenting. I can't find that presenting window anymore. Huh, yeah, I found it. Yeah. So, yeah, these are the apps that we have. These are free downloadable apps made with UNICEF and uh, CDAT. And uh, the Surakshat app is about teaching children personal safety. And Bal Suraksha is for parents, about if there is abuse, then what are their roles, responsibilities. It's also for schools and police and other media personnel. Stree Suraksha is, of course, uh, regarding adult uh, safety, women's safety. Yeah.
0: Uh, yes. Uh, so, ma'am, we have another question lined up for you from Jasneet Kaur, who's mm-hmm. asking: uh, sometimes parents don't want to listen about their relatives. So, that's a very difficult situation to handle. Can you please uh, help us understand how to handle those situations?
1: Yes. Uh, yes, they, they don't want to listen. But I just want to share that uh, we had this situation. Uh, seventh grader uh, in fact in that school somehow uh, in that class two or three children had shared about different abuse that they were facing and one of them said it is my uncle so we took the child's permission and then we asked uh, the the parent to come in and uh, the parent was uh, told about this and the parent was very upset Uh, of course we didn't speak we had informed the school administration and they had the counselor had spoken and the parent was very really upset. How can you say this about uh, my, you know, brother or relative? And went away. Now, uh, when we returned, and there was summer break, when we returned to the school after the summer break, and we went back to that class, uh, the the child was looking very happy and comfortable. And uh, so, what has happened is that, you know, even though the parent at in front of the uh, the school said, "How can you say this?" But the thing is that once you have heard something, you cannot unhear it. So the pa- parent has heard that maybe one relative of mine is doing something inappropriate to my daughter or my son. Now they can't really take it out of their head. So it'll be there. It'll so next time maybe after that they were more careful, right?
0: I think that's very important, ma'am. At least getting it out and having, you know, in any form, at least that is important. Awareness is the first step. I think what follows is always secondary. It may or may not be more important, but awareness is where everything begins. So, Dr. Yogada Sarbal has another question. Uh, She is asking, can the resources be available on an individual basis as well?
1: Uh, yes, the the Suvidha kit is made for, uh, for caregivers and for teachers, and the way we have designed it, a very extensive manual, uh, so it is available for individual purchase, uh, because really the children will need input from the school as well as at home, uh, the children with uh, intellectual disability. Yes, it can be. Our uh, personal safety education and all of that, we do hold um, you know, our training sessions where parents can come in and uh, during this um, COVID times, we held uh, sometimes a 10-hour course on adolescent sexuality, 10-hour course on child sexual abuse. Um, so we have been doing those uh, courses. So that too can be done.
0: I think it's always good to have as many people as possible to talk about it and use the right tools to deliver this awareness.
1: Yes, our, uh, our email ID is uh, info at uh, info. Williams
0: will be posted, ma'am. It can be posted by the team of uh, future school leaders as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's easy to find uh, uh, Enfold Trust or Enfold India if you type uh, it. Come up. Yes. it is, uh, so,
0: yes. So, dear participants, the details or the contact details for Enfold India has been posted on the chat box. You can take it from there. For the convenience of everybody, I'll just read it out here as well. It is info at enfoldindia.org. Their contact details. Is uh, there are two contact numbers. The first one is 80255208489, and the second one is 9900094251. So they can be reached over the email as well as on call. And of course, the website detail is enfoldindia.org. We have another question for you, ma'am. Uh, two questions lined up for you. Uh, The question by Shalini Mehta states many of the schools in every country experience to many degrees violent and criminal behavior that includes bullying, substance abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, racism, gangsterism, vandalism and a host of other antisocial behaviors. All of these make these schools an unsafe place to be for some of our children and suffocating many of their dreams and reducing the school experience for these children to a battle of survival rather than academic achievement. So what are the long-term effects on children who are these victims of abuse?
1: Yes, um, uh, Shalini, isn't that Shalini? Uh,
0: yes, Shalini Mehta.
1: Yes, uh, the, uh, there uh, is a, actually a huge uh, study about this adverse childhood experiences, uh, which was again done in the US, where they followed these children who have faced uh, various kinds of abuse, maybe at the hands of their family or uh, their peers and schools. And it has uh, very long lasting uh, effects in terms of uh, physical illnesses, mental, uh, uh, you know, uh, depression. And, and by the suicide rates are very high and they are increasing among our children as well. So uh, there is a whole host of problems with this. Uh, so there is a lot of uh, things that they are seeing and they're getting, you know, through the media, through the Internet and they're seeing around them in their, uh, in their um, social environment, uh, how there much there is violence, how much of abuse, so they find it very difficult to, uh, how to learn to relate to each other with respect and concern. And I'm very happy to say that the restorative practices that I spoke about earlier, it began almost 15 years ago um, uh, uh, in uh, 15 to 20 years ago in Oakland School District in San Francisco area where there was all of this, what you mentioned, is like rampant drug abuse among teenagers, everything. And they have introduced these restorative practices and all of these things have come down and the academic achievements have increased. So, you know, um, uh, we, we say that behind every behavior of the child, there is a need. And if we can address that need, the behavior would uh, disappear, but most of us have been trained to say that if, if the behavior is not okay, then you either you punish the child. If the behavior is all right, then you reward the child. So we use a carrot and the stick, and we, we are just looking at the behavior. And the child learns, such a punishment will get, na, so will not do it. in front of these people, we will do it in a way that they don't even find out that we have done it. So they learn to lie, they learn to manipulate, they learn to hide that doesn't really help. Uh, so life skills education, restorative uh, circles, uh, where you set class values rather than class rules um, that the children uh, and the teacher and everyone follows, that is is that that is bearing a lot of uh, fruit in this manner. It's really effective.
0: Thank you, ma'am. Um... So yes, there's a lot of agreement and a lot of people have resonated with what you have presented, you know, the facts and figures that you've presented. And uh, we actually have one more question lined up for you by Pankajain who says, do you believe it is important for every school to have counselors to monitor the psychological status of children?
1: Yeah, can't say more. Uh, It is definitely, definitely the need. Um, the schools are also uh, like an extension of the. You know, the teachers are in the parenting role, and the parents are in the teaching role. So, uh, for the child now, they are spending so much time in school from morning and till evening, and uh, so this space bec- uh, really it, it uh, could be a space where uh, they get the support that they need. They're able to talk. Many a time, they are not able to talk with their parents. Uh, But the counsellor becomes the one that they can come to.
0: Thank you, ma'am. I think uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, there are a lot of misconceptions that uh, anyone has, you know, irrespective irrespective of their own education or professional background that certain things, let's say, are just more certain practices are more prevalent with girls or with certain age groups. Or with certain sections of India, but that is, I think, not true when it comes to, uh, you know, abuse or when it comes to trauma, or when it comes to harassment, I think we need to be aware that it anybody is can be a victim at any point of time, and awareness and empowering them is the only option. Um, as a career counseling organization, and we work with a lot of young students, like I said, you know, we work with a lot of preschools as well. Uh, But sometimes parents and uh, teachers or anybody, you know, they may think, you know, this is too early an age. Why expose a child to something when they don't even know about it, you know? But then I think a lot of times that ignorance is what is taken advantage of more than anything else.
1: Yeah, yeah. And in this study that I quoted, the Government of India study, 2007, it came out. It was done among over 12,000 children in 13 different states of India. And uh, what they found was... uh, Child sexual abuse on average began around 5 years of age and it peaked at 12. So if you're going to keep personal safety education and you mix up personal safety education with sexuality education, then you're going to start with puberty and it's already too late. Children have faced abuse by that time. What are you telling them now? right? Uh, I was uh, Yeah, there were uh, so many anecdotes, this child is sitting on the sofa, the child is maybe three years old, parents are sitting opposite the child, Um, the relative is sitting next to the child and they have their hand behind the child, you know, or you put your hand behind the child, parents can't see where the hand is, the hand is gone inside the skirt, inside the panty, it is uh, touching the genitals of the child, but the child doesn't know that these are the parts that nobody should touch. Exactly she doesn't even know what to call them because they have been skipped over she was told head nose mouth chest and maybe the tummy and yeah. then the nose. Yeah. nothing in between
0: i absolutely agree with you uh, ma'am because uh, unfortunately uh, we have had to work with the uh, you know you said the study stated five years old unfortunately we have come across cases which were may, way younger than five years old uh i say unfortunately though i also think that the good thing is that at least it came to light that is a good thing that is the only silver lining about it that at least it came to light and at least the uh, the the next steps could have been taken but then yes prevention is always better than cure.
1: and the study said on average abuse began between 5 to 12 years of age on average there were children who were very young also
0: i know uh, Ma'am, I uh, have one more question of my own. Are there any practices that the school can enforce uh, to ensure that these kind of as a part of, let's say, their curriculum, apart from, of course, you know, what you have said uh, in terms of education and awareness, in terms of, let's say, the peer to peer uh, supervision or let's say something in terms of the infrastructural requirements that the school can match uh, to avoid or at least you know yeah. service provide surveillance to these factors if it yeah. ever happens
1: yeah that is uh there that that was there in the karnataka state child protection policy it's also in the draft national policy for child protection uh, but what we unfold uh, does is we support schools in framing their child protection policy in setting up their child protection uh, committees and training the members of that and uh, we do safety audits also uh, yeah we go in actually physically go in walk through talk and come out and then give them a report of you know where are the laxities before that we prepare them in what is required you know what is required and we do this for uh, schools that cater to also children with uh, say hearing impairment here we did that for one of those schools and uh, for other schools as well Um, what you're asking Sachin about sexual violence against women and children in the country what can we do? Yeah. Uh, I will can we...
0: uh, present the question for everybody else as well. In, uh, yes. So Sajin Kumar has asked, uh, sexual violence against women and children has also been with us for a while and women in this country and elsewhere in the world have been clamoring for society to sit up and listen. How can schools lead the fight against sexual abuse?
1: Yeah, many, many ways. Uh, so one is of course, as we spoke about, make the school a safe space and have these uh, awareness sessions uh, for all management, parents, teachers, children, uh, because these children are going to become older people. Uh, so that is that is one thing, having uh, their own, uh, own, and that's a huge number that the schools uh, encounter every year. So many children and that many parents, double the number of parents and so the uh, that is quite a bit over there and in every uh, encounter that we have can we be more aware um, can we dismantle toxic masculinity and toxic femininity break those things and uh, empower each other and like when we get a whatsapp message you know sometimes and you say what is this this is such a gendered thing such a stereotypical thing because underlying the violence is the stereotype. Women should cook. And if the woman doesn't cook, there is violence against her. Right. So the stereotypes, are we perpetuating those stereotypes by just forwarding that message, by telling jokes that are based on all of these? So there's a lot of individual things we can do. And uh, as I said earlier, the Enfold is now working at making... In fact, we are rolling out that training next week uh, to teachers of five disciplines in colleges nursing uh, counseling uh, students uh, social work and uh, disability and beard and we are training their teachers to train their um, you know uh, students in sexuality gender violence and safety so that when these teachers come out they would be already trained when these uh, nurses come out they're already sensitive these social workers these counselors, so that is how we go around bringing about uh, change at our personal level and as a group Uh, that's
0: absolutely agreed ma'am i think to add on to that we ourselves also sometimes just need to be aware that you know it is not just his and her that we are talking about nowadays there's a lot of sometimes students may be I, i mean you know students may be as confused about what is going on i mean sexuality is still a very broad term it is not a binary term anymore yes so we need to be sensitive about those things whenever you know, even when giving an example about science, I remember our teachers telling and very rightly at that point of time, uh, saying that, you know, OK, to understand how, let's say, evaporation works, go home. And when your mom is in the kitchen, just see how she boils the water. I mean, just go to the kitchen and boiling the water is good enough. You don't need to, you know, add the mom or, you know, when your father comes from home. And I'm still I'm not saying those examples are wrong. All I'm saying is that examples portray something, they 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 fuel a particular a particular gender role or gender uh, gender you know work or profile or task. And these are still very superficial things to talk about. It goes very deep. Yeah. And considering that nowadays, you know, the world is so dynamic throughout the time, I think we need to be very, very aware of how we are presenting certain things to yeah. our children, how we are discussing things amongst ourselves. Yes,
1: yeah. ma'am. What are the roles, uh, gender roles, that the teachers and the support staff is portraying?
0: Yes.
1: Uh, is the teacher asking the the you know the girls to uh, decorate the uh, classroom yes. and the boys to shift the benches? Girls can also lift those benches. Yes. You no. Know, why, why not build their strength and all of that? Uh, but I'm just reminded of when you said the schools a safe space by Sachin. In one of the schools, the complaint that we got from sixth standard girls was that uh, we have boys from our class, um, you know, a, a couple of boys who uh, will uh, say that uh, you know you uh, whatever I'm saying you must do. Like you know, if we are saying you can't join this team, you can't join this team, you can't play here, you can't this. Otherwise, I will rape you. My God. Yes. And uh, when the te- the girls uh, girls had uh, reported this to their teacher, the teacher just laughed and said, "Oh no, they are, they don't. They're just joking." That's- so that's what I mean uh, d- dismantle these toxic things and uh, not subscribe to boys. I think it's
0: important to figure out where did those boys even get the idea that this is something that. You know that they can do. I think that is more important than just reprimanding the boys and saying no, don't do this because no. that is See, just like putting a band-aid.
1: But Namrita, the the word rape, this four-letter word, I mean, any child who can read uh, can can read it. It it's has just two syllables. It's there in our TV. It's there in our serials. It's everywhere.
0: I understand, ma'am. I think we are all, uh, it it is definitely very heartening to see that everybody today has joined in to, you know, Just I'll say it's a work in progress, it'll take time, but at least it's a work in progress, I think, what Infold India is doing and what all of us today, the participants today, by joining the session are trying to at least understand and then implement. I think that is still commendable. Uh, it yes it may not be enough but it is better than you know something so i think we should all be very very serious about our own initiative the roles that we play let's say even if we are not organizing a full-fledged mm-hmm. workshop about awareness it's important that we understand the the role that we are perpetuating is very important we have mm-hmm. a final question of the evening by nalini Aron- dr nalini arona was asking how do you think the mindset of children coming from homes that practice patriarchy can be changed?
1: Yeah, um, I will only say Nalini that uh, parents are not the only influence on the child teachers has a huge have a huge role to play as well as peers uh, so as the child grows uh, you know what the teacher said is like sacrosanct Mary right? teacher uh, so they begin to see other uh, role models, and that is also one of the 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 boons I should say of uh, the media and the internet, that children are being exposed. Uh, the adolescents they to all kinds of ideas. Like Namrata said, the word sex is not binary anymore, right? Uh, you may not have said that uh, uh, you're too young, but then uh, 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been in a conversation like this, right? So uh, there is it can be. Uh, And just keeping uh, and knowing, uh, Nalini, that there is no one strategy. There is no one single uh, way because it's a multifactorial. So something that the teachers are saying, some programs that are being held, if the school is arranging, um, you know, gender. we, We don't want to erase gender, but we want to have gender equity. And we don't want to enforce any particular behavior on people, but we celebrate gender diversity. If somebody wants to be very feminine fine be very feminine somebody wants to be very masculine be very masculine but that should not mean that you have to trample on somebody's rights and be violent right so uh, yeah
0: thank Keep you so much yes so. no no I'll please continue
1: yeah just, just uh, that uh, um, you know if you can make a difference to this one child you know, I want to share this, in one of these restorative circles that was being held for first grade students in the school, the teacher had posed a question, uh, what, do you, what do you like to learn? What would you like to learn? This is first grade. And uh, most of the students said things like cycling or swimming or you know, uh, playing some music or dance. And then came to this child and he said, I want to learn how to think well. I was so surprised. I was so surprised. My goodness, this child is saying, I want to learn how to think well. so
0: Very nice. So students are reflective. They see, I'm sure this child, this is a good influence. You know, this child must have gotten a good source somewhere and they have grasped onto that. And just like the other kids, you know, who may have been motivated by a sports person or a nice dancer. This child was motivated by somebody who was a thinker, who was an innovator. And I... That's why, you know, we have been trying to say not only through this session, through every sessions that children are very impressionable. We as adults, we as educators, we are somebody who have taken a responsibility by our own choice to be a role model and a motivator for the kids. It's very, very important that we know what we are doing. And if we don't know, we have in poll India to, you know, teachers, trainers help us understand a lot of things. And I think that's that's absolutely fine. As long as we are open to learning, it's 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 a good thing
1: sure sure. Thank you so, much. Visit.
0: <laughs> so, visit. Um, so thank you so much ma'am for uh, making us uncomfortable at certain points today i think it was very much needed for all of us i mean if we as viewers have had those moments where we are the educated we are the aware lot, we already know so many things that are going on and still if we felt you know those discomfort at certain points throughout your session i think we can only imagine what is the state of the child who actually may or may be experiencing or maybe living in an environment where something like this is going on. Uh, I think if we, we can just get an idea to be honest, there's no way that we can actually know what the child is going through because it is it is too diverse, it is too deep uh, and too traumatic an experience which I don't think we, I'll wish upon anybody. But it was important for us to know a lot of factors and thank you for being on this journey which is much needed as many of our participants have said that yes it is it is so much needed and it is so much valid and it is so much required it is so much mandatory i'll say from you know in these days so thank you so much ma'am for taking out the time and presenting to us
1: welcome thank you for the opportunity thank you to everyone who participated and those who came and heard us so yeah hope to hear from you
0: (laughs) Thank you, dear participants, for participating in today's uh, session. I hope all of us learned a lot today and I hope all of us are motivated to learn even more. We'll connect again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Till then, have a great evening.